to help us. Hey, Steph. Nice to see you on the front row. You're a blessing. This girl comes every Sunday and not only helps us set up and tear down, she comes every Sunday with pink box donuts. Pink box donuts. And they have this thing called a, a cronut. So they're like, man, a croissant is full of butter, but it's just not unhealthy enough. Let's deep fry it like a donut and then glaze it. That's a cronut. And Stephanie brings boxes of those every Sunday morning for the setup team. Appreciate you doing that. One Sunday she brought bagels and uh, I said, I don't know this spirit you are of, but I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And uh, we'll praise the Lord. Okay. We're in a series called What Our City Needs From Us. And uh, man, I just, I feel good. I'm just so grateful for all God's doing. This is Exodus chapter 3, verse 3. We're going to talk today about being fully surrendered. Moses said this, this is amazing. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Everyone say holy ground. ground. One more time. Come on, say holy ground. ground. All right. I want to talk this morning for a few uh, minutes from the subject fully surrendered, fully surrendered. Father, I pray you speak to us now clearly. um, And I pray also, Lord, as I talk about holiness and I talk about obedience and surrender, some of these kind of words I don't want this to be in any way a message of do's and don'ts. I want this to be a message that brings us right back to the feet of Jesus. Um, that's my prayer. And I pray that we would, we would be so much like Jesus that our city would be drawn to us. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Uh, Just to recap a little bit from last week, I talked that God has a plan for large cities. And I really, if I ever needed you to listen to our YouTube channel or our podcast, please get last week's message because I really do believe I laid down some foundational truths as a church that will set the culture of our church. And so if you feel like you are a part of City Light and you weren't here last week, please get it. I cannot recap too much, just don't have the time, but God does have a plan for large cities cities because large cities have influence, large cities have name recognition, and large cities have resources. Large cities have money like small towns just don't have money. They have name recognition the way other towns don't. Um, Ain't nobody ever heard of Belen, New Mexico, where I'm from, okay? Population 1,700. But everybody's heard of Las Vegas, Nevada. Over 50% of the world's population lives in major cities. And over 10 million people a month are moving into major cities. They're moving into major cities. Uh, This is true of our city. We're the second fastest growing city in our nation. Our city is booming. Uh, It's booming economically. It's prospering. It's it's growing with uh, the UFC, NHL, NFL, large companies. We are a tax haven. I just met a couple in the 10 o'clock who just moved here from California because they're business owners and the tax relief is so huge here that they've literally moved their whole company here just for the tax breaks. And so, and I've preached at their church before in California. They moved here. Thank you, Jesus. So people are moving here 
and our city is booming, our city is growing, our city's prospering. And let me remind you of Jeremiah 29 that says, as the city prospers, so will you prosper. So this is a good moment, okay, if you live in Vegas. But now, though the blessing is great, the needs are great. We have the highest divorce rate in America. We have one of the highest homeless rates in America. We have one of the highest youth homeless rates in America. We have one of the highest unsheltered homeless rates in America. We are last on most things um, when it comes to education and different things like that. We are the sixth most unchurched city in our nation. And so I believe every city has a destiny and I believe every city has churches and people that have been assigned by God to that city. I believe that God saw something in you so significant that he said, I think there's something on your life that your gift, your calling, and your anointing is great enough and strong enough. I don't need to put you in Tulsa where everybody's a Christian or Alabama where 90% of Alabama's going to church. I'm going to send you to Sin City because I believe that your gift and your call is so great that not only can you handle it, but you can be an agent of change to it. Can I get an amen? I, Kelly's here on the front row from Brisbane, Australia, mate. I mean, how did she, how do you go from Brizzy, is what they call it, to Vegas? The hand of the Lord is upon her because I believe that God said you can do something in that city that maybe not everybody else can. And I believe that if demons are assigned to a city, Christians are assigned to a city. If principalities and powers are assigned to cities, churches are assigned to cities. Come on. And I believe that our church can make a difference, can shine a light, and can help a lot of people find Jesus in this city. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. So God's calling us to reach our city. God's calling us to serve our city. God's calling us to love our city. But in order for this to happen, I believe we must be fully surrendered. So let me get into some new content now. Before God does something through you, he first wants to do something in you. Amen, little girl, whoever said that, or little boy. He wants to do something in you. Well, Jabin, but I'm called, but I'm great, but I'm powerful, but I'm mighty. All of that is awesome, and I'm glad you are, and I'm glad you think so much of yourself. But let me tell you something. You don't want anything before you're ready for it. God, do something great through me, yes, but first do something great in me so that when you do the great thing through me, I don't get built up with pride, arrogance, ego, patting myself on the back, saying I'm a self-made man. No, God, do something in me so that whenever you do something great through me, I can steward the blessing and not get wrapped up in the blessing. God, do something in me. See, God is doing something great through us right now. He's doing something beautiful through our music and through my preaching and through the kids' ministry. And every time people come on this campus, they're amazed at what God is doing through us. All of that's amazing. But if our music is good and our preaching is good and our ministry is good and our systems are good, but our heart is not good, 
God calls this a clanging gong and cymbal. We're making a lot of noise and we feel good about ourselves, but God forbid he does something amazing through us, but not something amazing in us. Holy Spirit, I want you to do something in me. I want to be changed from the inside out. I want to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, love like Jesus, live like Jesus. I'm not doing this for great ministry. I want God to do a great work in me and in you. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for this church, that we don't just pull off a good Sunday spectacular. But God's doing something so special in us that people want to be a part of it. And so God is calling us not to be better than others, but to be different. Christians are not to be better. We're not better, but we can be different. Living a life that causes unbelievers to be curious about our walk with God. We're not perfect, but we are holy. And that's what holiness is. Holiness is to be separate. It's to be altogether other. This is why around the throne of God, the angels will cry out to Jesus, holy, holy, holy. But they're in the presence of perfection. There is no sin. There is no sickness. There is no poverty. There is no disease. There is no addiction in heaven. And yet when the angels look at heaven, they don't call heaven holy. They call God holy because no matter how amazing the creation is, it pales in comparison to the holiness of the creator. I pray that we would be a people of holiness so that when people see us, they would go, you're different. You don't respond the same way. You don't think the same way. You don't act the same way. You don't laugh at the same things. You don't look at the same things. You don't, you don't respond the same way, the, the way that we respond. You don't run to the same things we run to in trouble. What's different about you? I'm not better than you, but I pray I walk in a holiness that causes people to become curious about my relationship with God. You are a chosen people, 1 Peter 2.9. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Oh God, do a work in me. And then do a work through me. I believe that if we'll let God do a work in us, we won't even really have to invite people to church. People will invite themselves to church. <laughs> well, Jabin, I'm always inviting people to church. I'm always, I'm always inviting people, but people never come with me. Maybe you is the problem. <laughs> See, people have to say yes to you before they say yes to this church. People have to believe you before they believe me. People have to see something in you before they will wake up on a Sunday morning after a crazy Saturday night and give up their weekend and give up their Sunday to come to God's house when it's 5 million degrees outside. They're going to have to buy into you before they ever buy into me. They're going to have to see something in you before they ever see something in us. Before they, when a person says yes to an invitation to church, friend, they're saying yes to you. So God do something in me that would cause such curiosity that people would want to come because they're so intrigued by what you've done in my life. Living a life of holiness is not perfection, but it is a life that honors God and honors my brother and sister. 
When the man asked Jesus, Matthew 24, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said it's to love God and love people. If you take the 10 commandments, you can focus them down. You can melt them down into two commandments, love God, love people. See, if I love God and I love people, I will not murder. If I love God and I love you, I will not steal from you. If I love God and I love you, I will not commit adultery. If I love God and I love you, I will honor the Sabbath. If I love God and I love you, I will not take the name of the Lord God in vain. In other words, if I can love God and love people, that is holiness. And the other commandments kind of happen by accident. So here's number one. Holiness happens when you pursue God. Holiness happens when you pursue God. Moses said, verse three, I must go see it. He saw the burning bush and he said, I gotta get closer. Verse four said, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, he said, see, Moses drew near and God spoke. Hello, somebody, y'all with me? God didn't talk till Moses moved. I'm just waiting on a word from the Lord. Move. I can't hear God. Get closer. God is a whisperer. Y'all ever been around close talkers? Come on, somebody. All up in your space, in your face, in your personal space. Y'all know what I'm saying? Okay. God wants to break your bubble. He will only talk to you close. He's a whisperer. He whispers. He told Elijah, I'm not in the fire. I'm not in the wind. I'm not in the earthquake. I'm in the still small voice. This is how God talks to you. See, if you're on this side of the cafeteria and I'm on that side, I will not hear a whisper. We must become closer. It's all about proximity with God. God said, okay, Moses is coming closer. Now we can hear my still small voice. When God saw Moses pursuing his presence, God began to speak. It's James that says, draw near to God and I'll draw near to you. God speaks to those who pursue. God leads those who want to be led. God reveals himself to those who want him. This is how God talks. Last week we talked about pray, read, worship, wait. Well, Jabin, how do I do that practically? You read the word. If, if you can't read the word, get a devotional. Joel Osteen, Joseph Prince, Bishop Jakes, Jensen Franklin, Joyce Meyer, a lot of J's, okay? Get somebody. Find, find a devotional that you can read. Max Lucado is a brilliant author, maybe the greatest author of our generation. Get, get a, a devotional. If you're a little more theologically sound than that and you want to go a little deeper, read some A.W. Tozer. Uh, uh, you can read some Leonard Ravenhill. You can, you can read some C.S. Lewis. But, but, but read something. Get in God's word. It's, it, with God, it's all about quality, not quantity. This is the number one question I get asked. How many chapters of the Bible do you read a day? Sometimes a lot. Sometimes none. Which offended somebody in this room. Like... <laughs> On Friday, I didn't read the word. So let me just confess right now. Let me just confess my sin. <laughs> but I listened to two sermons, and I'm reading a book called The Blessed Church by Robert Morris right now. So, I'm, so I read a book, and I listened to two podcasts, and I prayed. And then I went on a date with my wife. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> 
I prayed for LeBron and the Cavs didn't win. So I should have read my Bible. Maybe God would answer my prayer. But listen, it's all about quality, not quantity. There's no good in reading 50 chapters in the word a day and you didn't capture one thing. It's all about quality. It's about getting alone with God and getting a word from God. Now, you've got to block out a time and place for God. Well, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. The Holy Spirit is never going to lead you to have a devotional time. Because he's already called you to do it. So he doesn't need to repeat himself. Well, I'll, I'll seek the Lord. I'll read the Bible when the Holy Ghost tugs on my heart. He ain't going to tug. He's not going to do that. He's already waiting for you to do it. Now, here's what I tell you to do. Here's a practical thing. Give God the best part of your day. When are you at your best? Now, if you don't think you're a morning person, you actually are a morning person. You've just believed a lie. You are a morning person. There is not a scientist in the world that would tell you you're a night owl. You are a morning person. And if you would wake up early and seek God and read, your whole day would be different. <laughs> like not one amen. Thank you, sir. I, uh, thank you. Like not even like one, like not even anything, just silence, anger. <laughs> you are, it, there is not, there is not a science, there's, there's no one that will tell you that you're a night owl. You are a morning person. Your brain will function best when you first wake up. And if you'll read, if you'll read anything, if you'll read the paper, if you'll read anything, you will absorb more and, and will get more. Give God the best part of your day, which happens to be your morning. If you wake up at 6, wake up at 5.30. If you wake up at 8, wake up at 7, whatever it is. If you wake up at 5, wake up at 4.30. Oh, I know. You're already up at 5. Like, life is already pretty tough. Just wake up at 4.30. There is no difference. 5 and 4.30 are just both terrible. Wake up a little earlier. Get some coffee. Put some cold water on your face and read the word. You will be best, you will be best in the morning. This is, this is proven. I, I don't have time to prove it, but it is proven. But I'm just going to prove it again. Give God the best part of your day. David said, early in the morning, will I seek you? Jesus would wake up before the son and pray to the father. There's, there's something here. Okay. Now listen, here's why you need to seek God. In the natural, if you eat, you get full, okay? Uh, recently, uh, the Lopez's took us to TDB, Texas Day, Brazil. Praise the Lord. If I could say it in whatever that language is, it's not Brazilian, it's Portuguese. I would say it, but I don't know how to say it. Uh, and when you go in, you put your little thing on green. And that's telling those dudes, just... Keep it coming, baby. Keep it coming. Chicken, yes. Sausage, yes. Beef, yes. Lamb, yes. Pork, yes. Keep it coming. Green. Um, and when you first start eating there, you go, oh, I'm going to put these people out of business. All I've had today is one ounce of water just so I don't dehydrate. I'm going to kill this place. But if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse, how many know about 30 minutes in, you're going, I'm going to die. I just felt my stomach lining rip. I just, no, that was your button. Boom, you know, it's like, oh my God. You're dead, right? 
you're mad at yourself. You wake up the next morning, you feel hungover, but you didn't drink. You're just... Because <laughs> in the natural, when you eat, you get full. But in the spirit, when you eat, you get hungry. Let me tell you why you don't have an appetite for God, because you don't read the word. Let me tell you why you don't have an appetite for God's presence, because you don't pray. It's something that is activated by the seeking. God has set the table. He says, if you will sit down and eat, I will feed you. And the reason you're not hungry for God is because you don't seek God. But if you'll seek God, a hunger will begin to be cultivated. Maybe not day one, maybe not day two, but it will happen. Now look what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door. This is why I believe that you can go to Starbucks and read, but if you really want to start going after Jesus, it's going, you're going to have to shut a door. Bedroom, bathroom, car, somewhere. You're going to have to get alone with God somewhere. And if you got little babies, you're going to have to do it probably when they're asleep. You're going to have to have time with God. Shut the door, pray to your father. Look where the father is, who is in secret. I thought he was on the throne. Well, yeah, but he is in secret. I thought God was in heaven. Yeah, but he is in secret. I thought God was in church. Yeah, but he is in secret. God is waiting for you in the quiet place. And if you will make a time and place for God, I promise you, God won't just meet you there. He will beat you there. Can I get an amen from anybody in this, in this quiet 1130? So y'all... I know, I know I'm just teaching you, but I know, I, this will change your life. This will change your life. If you'll give God a time and place, he'll meet you there. Number two, to be fully surrendered, the answer is always yes. <laughs> God, whatever you say, yes. God, whatever you want, yes. Let me give you another key to seeking God. Seek God with the intention of obedience. Read the word with the intention of obedience. Don't just read, okay, I'm just, I gotta read. I gotta, oh man, I gotta read four chapters because that's what my Bible reading plans is to do. But I haven't read all week, so I need to read 97 chapters. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do this. The letter from Paul, the letter from the Apostle of Jesus Christ, the letter from Timothy. No, no, stop. Find a verse. Hey, verse, with the intention of obedience. Read a chapter with the intention of obedience. Pray with the intention of obedience. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me with the intention of obedience. Seeking God has way more to do with heart than it does with how much you can get. Seek God, pray to God with the intention of obedience. And I promise you, God will speak to you. And the reason he is not speaking to you is probably because you haven't obeyed the last thing he told you. The old preachers used to say, if God feels far away, if God feels distant, if you're not hearing the voice of God for a current need, Go back and obey the last thing he told you. Why would God tell you a new thing if you haven't done the old thing? 
Go back in your journal. Go back to that. Go back to that moment. Go back and figure out what was the last thing God told me and do that. And even as I'm saying, you're like, OMG, I remember it was 2015. The Lord told me what to do and I just haven't obeyed. Okay, go back. Do that. Honor God's last word and God will honor you with a new word. Let me give you another big thing. Holiness is more about what you do than what you don't do. Holiness has way more to do with what you do. Just leave that up for a little bit than what you don't do. Because some of you pride yourselves on what you don't do. Well, praise the Lord, I don't smoke. I never touch the thing. They might not send you to hell, but you'll smell like it. Praise God. So I don't even... I don't even touch the thing. Yeah, but you're self-righteous. <laughs> I don't watch rated R movies except for The Passion of the Christ. Every good Friday. Hallelujah. On your TBN. Okay, dum-dum. Um, let me tell you something. I'm glad you don't watch rated R movies. I don't care what kind of movies you watch. That's not, that's not holiness. Because just because you don't do something doesn't mean your heart's right. I don't drink, never touched it, won't do it. Awesome. It's great. You're an adult. Don't start now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like people ask, should I drink? I'm like, you're 30. You've gone 30 years. Why start now? You know what I'm saying? Like, but, <laughs> but just because you don't drink doesn't mean you're holy. Because you could be self-righteous. The person who doesn't drink but judges the person who does drink is just as guilty. Probably more guilty. Well, can you believe what they were wearing? I would never wear that. Well, of course you wouldn't. You don't look like that. once in a while I gotta give it to the ladies because I'm always hitting I'm always getting the men aren't I I'm always I just just, it was for all the it was for all the men out there who can't say amen but you're like thanks for just letting her have it one time just (laughs) ladies you can be covered head to toe in clothing and still have a Jezebel spirit and still have a flirtatious spirit and still have an unclean attitude whether, whether you're showing knees or not. Whether you're showing shoulders or not. Whether you're showing a little too much chest or not. It, it, it has way more to do with your attitude. Holiness has more to do with what you're doing. I'm, 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 I'm so glad of the things you don't do. But I, but I am asking, what do you do? Do you love people? Do you give? Do you serve? Do you give your life away? Do you say yes to God? Do you honor your spouse? Do you love your children? Do you witness? I'm I'm glad what you don't do. But you know, they they tell us, the statisticians tell us that 85% of high school or 85% of church kids will leave the church after high school graduation. Why? Because all they're told is what they can't do. You told, you told a teenager, you told a child for 18 years, you cannot have sex, you cannot have sex, you cannot have sex. You can't. What do you think they're going to do when they go to 
Arizona State University. <laughs> well, my God, they told me I can't do it. It has to be great. Why don't we tell them what they can do? You can live for God. You can marry the right person and love that person till death do us part. You can give your life to something greater than just the party scene. You can be a witness. You can be a world changer. But all we do is tell our kids what they can do. Don't talk to strangers. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. Don't watch that movie. I'm good. Don't do any of those things. But you also got to teach your kid to dream. And I'm, I'm here to teach you to dream. Adult, 40 years old, so proud of what you don't do. But God wants to give you something to do. Am I helping anybody? Now, now look at this, Hebrews chapter 12. This is one of these verses that I read and that y'all read. And when you read it, you get scared. So you go back to the Psalms, okay? <laughs> You're like, it's a Psalm 23 kind of day. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this is one of those scriptures you read and you go, I'm just going to watch Joel Osteen. I just can't, I can't do this right now. Okay. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And to be holy. Now, we've always disconnected these, but they're actually connected. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, how many have have heard that? Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, right? You've heard that, but you haven't heard it in its context. This is not a scripture about hell. You better live right, holiness or hell. Type in holiness in YouTube and you will see sermon after sermon, holiness or hell. What an encouraging word from God. Thanks. (laughs) This isn't about hell. Here's what God's saying. If you don't walk in holiness, you won't be able to see what the Lord is doing. You'll be blessed, favored, God's provision and abundance all around you, and you won't be able to see it because you're so distracted by sinful patterns and destructive behavior. And you'll look at a wife who loves you, but you'll be tempted with someone you work with who doesn't even know you? Because you can't see God. You can't see the beauty of what God's given you. This is why holiness is so important. Because if you walk in holiness, not only will you see the Lord, you'll see all the Lord has given you. But not only will you see the Lord when you walk in holiness, when you walk in holiness, people will see the Lord in you. How can you love that way? How can you forgive that way? How are you at peace? How are you smiling? How are you so generous? How are you so kind? How have you never given up on that? How have you, they will see the Lord in your character. But if we don't walk in holiness, hear me, No one will see the Lord. Us or the people we're supposed to be living peacefully with. So it's always yes. God, it's always yes. What do you want me to date? It's always yes. What do you want me to do? It's always yes. How much do you want me to get? It's always yes. How how do you want me to serve? It's always yes. What do you want me to do? What do you... See, holiness is not about do's and don'ts. 
Holiness is the adventure of living led by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you got for me today? And by the way, before you ever say it, the answer, it's always yes. Number three, holiness is giving God the thing he's asking for. And uh, uh, Jorge, please come up. When he asks for it. Holiness is giving God the thing he's asking for when he asks for it. God told Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. God said, give me your shoes. And Moses gave him his shoes. There was an exchange. There was an automatic obedience. Maybe today God's asking for your temper. Maybe today God's asking for your dream. Maybe today God's asking for your gift. Maybe today God's asking for that addiction. Maybe today God's asking for that lust. Maybe today God's asking for that secret. Holiness is giving God the thing he's asked for when he asked for it. See, if you don't do it immediately, the, the old preachers used to say delayed obedience is disobedience. I would say delayed obedience leads to disobedience because if you don't do it in the moment, that grace will lift. Uh, Lord, I'm going to start giving next week. No, you won't. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to forgive tomorrow. No, you won't. Lord, I'm going I'm I'm to apologize tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. You got to do it today because there's grace today. But, but notice what God does. He says, give me your shoes. See, anytime God asks you for something, there's always an exchange. God is not an... God is not a taker, but he is a exchanger. See, he said, Moses, you've been a shepherd and a murderer. I'm about to make you a military leader and a prophet. Give me your pride and I will show you the strength of humility. Give me that lust and I will show you the power of self-control. Give me that insecurity and I will teach you to walk bold as a lion. Give me that unforgiveness and I will show you the freedom that only comes through forgiveness. Give me that hatred and I'll show you perfect love. Give me that fear and I'll teach you how to walk in power. Give me the struggle and I'll give you victory. Give me your weakness, I'll turn it into strength. Give me your past and I'll give you a future. Anytime God asks you for anything, it's only because he has something better to give you. And by the way, he won't take it from you. He asks for it. It's your choice. Some of you think, if I break up with this person, I know they're not God's best for me, but I'll be so lonely. God isn't going to exchange a bad relationship for loneliness. You'll say, surrender that thing to me and I will teach you the joy of my presence. God, what do I do without marijuana? I mean, we're in Vegas, right? We're in Nevada, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the right, yeah, I got quiet. There's a lot of nervous laughter. <laughs> I just, I, 
I know the preacher says ain't no high like the most high, but this stuff is chemically graded now, and it's, this is not the weed from high school. I know. I know too much because I'm always hanging around people who don't believe like me. It's good. Well, I, how, do I, how do I sleep without it? How do I rest without it? How do I? And you believed a lie that you need it, that you need that green little plant, that your whole life has to bow down to these little oils. And God's going, I will give you perfect peace. But you got to trade, trade you. I'll trade you. Imagine driving up in a Hyundai. And a dude walks up to you with a Bentley and says, I'll trade you. And some of you wouldn't do it because you go, this is too good to be true. It's no way. It's no way. And God, yeah, that thing was stolen. Let me tell you something, friend. We are too ghetto in this church. Let me tell you something, friend. Let me tell you something. That's the exchange. We pull up in a hoop tee. I'm reminded of my 1989 Hyundai that did not have a first gear or a third gear, friend. I went from second uh, right into fourth. And that is your sin. That is your little dream. That is your little secret. That is your little stronghold. That is your little addiction. And Jesus rose up with a Bentley. Like, can we please exchange this thing? Yeah, but, yeah, but. Holiness is giving God the thing he's asking for when he asks for it. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, he says, give me your sin. And I will give you my righteousness. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're in this room.